0: Oh, mm-hmm. Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Weiss. Sarah is a French national working in the UK and is the founder of Law But How, a legal design and content agency. She is also employed in the legal tech space as a legal design manager at ContractPod AI, where, as she says, in our own words, we'll be cross-collaborating with different functions to make legal stuff better. Sarah is also known as a legal blogger and on her very own platform Very Lawyer Problems, she shares plenty of legal related problems but in a fun and accessible way. Before this, Sarah Sarah previously worked as legal in-house counsel for MD Group in which she advised on commercial related matters. So a very big warm welcome Sarah.
1: Hey Rob, thank you so much for having me. Our
0: absolute pleasure. And before we dive into all your amazing achievements and legal experiences to date, we must start with our customary opening question here on the Legally Speaking podcast, which is, on the scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, what would you rate the hit TV series Suits in terms of its reality?
1: Oh my goodness. Um... (laughs) I would probably go for <laughs> 2 or 3 especially because of my in-house legal background. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair that's a fair answer, 2 or 3. I, I was expecting you to definitely give it below 5. So, we will move swiftly on. So, let's start a little bit about you. So, tell us a bit about your family background and upbringing.
1: Yeah, the, um absolutely. Um, so I, I was born and raised in France, and I guess you, tell, you can tell with my accent as well. Um, I have a North African background, so my, my parents came from Algeria. Um, so I'm a, I like to say that I'm a pure product of uh, two culture, cultures and now three, because I've been yeah. living in the UK for the past seven years. Um, but um, yeah, so that's obviously born and raised in France, um, qualified, went to law school in France, uh, qualified as a French uh, lawyer and then moved to the UK. So, um, and I'm also the eldest of an eight children family. <laughs> <Wow>.
0: Fun fact. <laughs> One of eight, wow, okay. What's the uh, the age difference between you and the youngest?
1: So there's 17 years.
0: Wow, wow, difference. there we go. But does everyone know you're the boss, top of eight?
1: Yeah, they have to, I mean, you know, I'm their wallet, so.
0: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. And as I mentioned um, in the introduction, you previously worked as in-house legal counsel and moved over to the UK to do this. So tell us a bit about what this was like and was that an easy thing for you to do?
1: Wow, um, okay, so, I, I, I mean, I've had challenges, uh, but I guess as any junior lawyers, you know, trying to get into the the, the, the legal market. Um, I couldn't find a job in France. uh, So I had to move to the UK. um, And that's pretty much where I started my career. Um, I was unemployed for like a good year and a half. I had to come to the UK for initially what was meant to be an internship and uh, ended up being a scam. (laughs) But I decided (laughs) (laughs) to stay regardless because I wanted to improve my English. Um, So my first, uh, I guess, trip to the UK was back in 2015. So graduated in 2014, came to the UK in 2015 for a legal internship. I didn't exist. <laughs> worked in a, I worked my way in a coffee shop to learn the language, went back to Paris and started off, uh, you know, my legal experience in-house um, um, over there. But it was like only like, you know, six months contract and then back to an employment again. And I went back to uh, the UK and uh, that's when I guess the London Open uh, finally ended up opening uh, the, some doors in the legal market and I worked at Smart Focus so for a year and a half, so in the tech industry I was part of a legal team and then um, so I stayed there a year and a half and then I went to MD Group uh, in 2017 as a sole counsel and that's where I have... Um, uh, pretty much, you know, it was a scale up environment. So I had to be, you know, the jack of all trades and most of the time master of none. And I had to <laughs> hire, hire people. And, you know, I, I've been through, you know, what it's like to be sole counsel, but also, you know, the head of a department that is growing rapidly and has to keep up with the business.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and I, I love everything that you you do and following your journey. And you mentioned challenges, so I want to dive a bit deeper on that. You know, what has been the most challenging thing in your legal career to date? You would have said,
1: "Oh, wow!" So, if I go, if I look back at my in-house legal career, I think that my. My most challenging experience was definitely at MD because I was still fairly junior. So I was two years PQE when I uh, when I got the job and um, I was kind of thrown in the, in the deep end. I mean, I was quite fortunate that the, the, the company gave me a chance because I was fairly junior, but I don't know, I guess they maybe saw some potential that I didn't saw at the time. I didn't see at the time and um, having to keep up with... Um, a, a, a company that is growing massively and and rapidly at the same time, you know. So you have to get the day to day job done. You also have to kind of think ahead and think about the future. And when you start hiring, you also have to manage people, but also empower them to, you know, to get on with things. Um, you also have to, you know, as you scale. Think differently about the way the legal department should be run in order to keep on meeting the demands at no extra resources as well. So I think having to figure it out all by myself was definitely the most challenging part uh, of my in-house legal role uh, at MD. But equally, I think it kind of gave me, I think it has given me a very good picture of what it was like to be an in-house lawyer, both as a, you know, as a team member in a normal I would say, legal department at Smart Focus, but also being a sole counsel and then, you know, becoming the head of a a four-team legal team as well. So it was great overall.
0: Yeah. And it's it's inspiring as well. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what you have achieved and what you've done. And it's great that you can articulate those challenges and, and sort of how you've, you've got through them as well. And you recently, you know, moved from your in-house role to focus on other projects. So what was the reason for, for that decision?
1: That's a great question, Rob. So I think probably because of the type of experiences that I've had in-house, I kind of felt that um, I've had I have seen a lot. I mean, obviously there is always more that you can learn and, and 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 areas where you can develop as an in-house lawyer, but I think I had see I had seen a quite a wide spectrum of things. And as I when I started to create content on social media in 2018, it kind of opened up a new avenue for me without even realizing. Initially I just wanted to share some tips and career tips because I struggled to find a job. I was a baby lawyer and I had no network, I had nothing. But when doing that, I kind of understood the power of social media and content to build relationships, to grow a network. And I used that power then to convey more legal related uh, thoughts. And that's where obviously, you know, all of my uh, legal design work has come up. And that's where I then started to do TikTok videos, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what I've realized during this exercise is that I'm probably more passionate by um, solving problems in the legal industry as opposed to practicing the law itself. And that's pretty much what has triggered, you know, my my new journey, you know, both for law but how, but also working in legal tech because they both have something in common, which is the ability to make things better in the legal space. And uh, both through, you know, tech technology or, you know, design Um, And I think that's really what I've discovered that I was passionate about.
0: Yeah. And and definitely, I love all of your your social media content and what you do on TikTok and your videos are brilliant. Um, You mentioned legal design, just want to focus a little bit more on that, perhaps for those less familiar, you know, what actually is legal design in your words?
1: So to me, it it is a mindset, it is a framework that supports a a much more user-centric way of delivering legal services designing legal products, designing processes, and also conveying legal information. So that's kind of a mindset where you think about the end user, you think about, okay, who am I, you know, solving a problem for? Who are my end users? You know, and you go backwards. Okay, this is, I'm talking to entrepreneurs. I'm talking to business teams. I am talking to, you know, the general public. They don't have a legal background, et cetera, et cetera. So what are the things that I can do to facilitate whatever I deliver for them uh, in order to meet them where they are? So that's very much what legal design is for me. Um... I am focused on information design. I love the idea of simplifying legal and not only simplifying legal information, but also make it much more fun and accessible and yeah, uh, and innovative and because and that's probably a reflection of my personality in the industry. I'm definitely not traditional. Um, but I guess that's probably one of the frustrations I had in law school. You know, that's just boring. Why, why are we using Latin elocution? And, you know, why is everything we do so dull and, and long-winded? You know, is there any better way we can do this? Um,
0: yeah. And yeah. I love that. I love that core value about you in terms of being different. It's something that I live and breathe by. And, you know, who would have thought legal recruiters were doing legal podcasts? But it's, it's all about that. And I think, you know, you embrace that so, so well. And, you know, the content you produce, particularly through making it fun, informative, is just fantastic. And as we mentioned earlier, we have both touched on, you are the proud founder of Law But Howe. Tell us a bit more about the company.
1: So Law But Howe is very much... I think it's the business form of what I produce on social media. It's kind of, yeah. I have a genuine passion for making legal information more engaging and user-friendly and even more than that, entertaining. And I think, so at Howe very much aims at, yeah, t- conveying low, but differently, you know. Uh, how can you do things in such a way that is, you know, that's going to, I guess, impacts the end user, you know, and you don't want them to kind of look at a legal document and be like, Oh, you know, what now? And (laughs) you really want them to engage with it. And one way of doing that is by revisiting the information itself and revisiting the experience. And that's really what I do with law, you know, I, I revisit legal training, legal materials, and I give them like a new, a completely new look, really. Um, So that's pretty much how I would describe it. Yeah, I I transformed the experience through information design and and, uh, I guess, yeah, um, my approach on social media content as well.
0: And you've done some really good examples of this. So if I say Domino's Pizza, can you tell us what this is all about?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, I wanted to, I mean, I love using concrete examples to to showcase what I mean by Lego design and... Um, and one of the the things that I've done was with the brand Domino's so I went on their website and I was like it is such an iconic brand and these guys are selling pizzas so what can we do on their privacy policy to make it not only you know more engaging but also leverage what they are all about you know pizzas and also their branding so their colors and all of that and so I've took it and I took some part of the privacy policy and I've made it as a pizza um, that has various toppings. So if you look at my designs, you actually have a pizza that is a privacy policy or a privacy (laughs) policy that is a pizza with various toppings. And the toppings do represent some sections of the privacy policy. So the data retention, so how long they will be keeping the data for, what, are the, what, what is their legal reason for using the data and all of that. So each section do represent a topping. So.
0: I love it, I love it. I think it's one, <laughs> one of the best piece of like, you know, <laughs> edutainment if you like, in terms of entertaining but educational content and it was just brilliant. And now time for a short quiz. Can you guess how many of your prospective clients now expect to work with you online? If you guessed almost four out of five, or 79%, you got it right. Want to learn more about where the future of the legal profession is headed? Then leading practice management software provider, Clio, has just released a resource I think you're all going to love. In their 2021 legal trends report, they compiled data from tens of thousands of legal professionals to chart the major upcoming trends for law firms. The annual legal trends report is released every October, and you can get your copy for free at Clio.com forward slash legal trends. That's C-L-I-O dot com forward slash legal trends. Now back to the show. with the world of entrepreneurship you know I could tell it was always perhaps in your your blood from the way you've just sort of communicated your story and you know what you've been up to but what really inspired you to start your own company
1: um I got I mean it it definitely wasn't natural because I, I was doing it out of passion for the discipline really I mean you can't be such a nerd and spend so many hours of your life, you know, designing pizzas and, and, (laughs) you know, and and sanitizers and and all sorts of things, you know, to convey legal information without being like passionate about it. Right. So I never really had envisaged to start my own journey, but I think with entrepreneurship, but when I saw the reaction of the legal community and when I saw, you know, the, the, the ever growing interest, you know, for the discipline and, in-house lawyers or even lawyers in private practice being either interested in learning how to do it themselves or you know or actually reaching out to me and be like okay you know i want to revisit my policies internally i want to revisit my contracts or whatever then i thought i mean if there's a need there's a potential business, business opportunity right in front of you and it turns out that you love what you're doing as well so how about you know um yeah um coming up with an offering and and, and see if people buy. And uh, I was very surprised that, yeah, I mean, people reach out to me all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that segues very nicely, actually, because, you know, what would your advice be to any of our listeners who are interested in starting up their own company?
1: I would say that, um, I mean, try to monetize something that you genuinely care about um that you are genuinely passionate about and if you find yourself in a situation a bit like me where you know you could you just can't stop you you feel that you know that's just something that you could do all day long then obviously you have to make sure that there is a a market for it but sometimes you have to to create it as well so try to think of ways where you could monetize either your knowledge your expertise think about online courses there are various ways you can monetize um, your your insights and uh, and and go for it. And um, I think entrepreneurship is also about action and iteration. You know, th- certain things won't will work. Certain things won't work at all for whatever reason the market decides. But they, 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 there there is really no harm in just you know get started. If you have a something in your gut that says go for it and try something, then yeah, definitely p- pursue that passion or that path because. If anything, you will learn from it.
0: And I love that and it's such great advice you know firstly you're saying just start and I think you know so many people have experienced overwhelm with an idea or you know they just don't take action and start you know perfect inaction is better than you know <laughs> no action so strongly encourage that and you're also talking a lot about what you're passionate about in terms of focusing and there's the the famous Bruce, um, Bruce Lee quote you know I fear that I do not fear the man who's practiced 10,000 kicks I fear the man who's practiced the same kick 10,000 times and that's really really important when it comes to focusing focusing and doubling down what you're passionate about and identifying that solution and what you're offering. And it's very crystal clear what your business does. And it's it's fun, it's entertaining, and it's definitely one for the future. And I'm super excited to see where Law But Howe goes. Um, and on that note, you, know, you also get yourself out there. You run lots of webinars and you recently want, run one, I believe, on how to write better legal content. Can you tell our listeners more about these and how they can get involved if they're interested?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love content because that's very much what has been um, fueling my legal career to date, um, especially the last few years. I mean, it got me to create Low But Howe and it got me a job in legal tech at AI as well. And my manager offered me the job because he was following what I was doing on social media. So I'm a true believer of content creation, whether, you know, to grow a business, to develop your career, to grow your network. I mean, it only has benefits, you know, you, I mean, it, and all it takes really is to start. Um, and I really encourage legal professionals to really put themselves out there and to share valuable content, irrespective of the medium. It could be a podcast. It could be visual content. It could be blog posts or articles. It doesn't really matter, but nobody's going to know who you are, you know, if you don't make yourself visible and content is is a great way of, of, of achieving that. And with social media, you can reach thousands of views instantly. I mean, no physical events will ever allow you to do that. Um, so, I would definitely encourage you know any anybody who obviously wants to know more about how to create legal content to check this this webinar. Obviously. And generally speaking, I guess, you know, follow the legal content creators a bit like yourself, Rob. I mean, you know, the, the power of content yourself and, and the amazing podcast that you're running is a primary example of that. And, um, and yeah, I think it's time for, you know, legal professionals to be more than legal professionals.
0: Yeah no couldn't agree more and uh, thank you for your kind words but we need wonderful guests like you to educate <laughs> and entertain our, our audience and listeners so so thank you and you know you recently completed your career shift by joining contract pod ai have you always been interested in legal tech
1: so i think the short answer is no okay <laughs> but purely because legal tech is quite new so i wasn't i didn't come out of law school in 2014 thinking, oh, you know, I'm interested in legal tech. I mean, legal tech was not a thing in in 2014, so it's a fairly new thing in the market. Um, However, what I was interested in when I was working at MD is, okay, how can I, you know, scale? How can I scale the, the activities of my legal departments without additional resources? And that's really where I started to think about processes, but also technology. What are the... What are the the tools that I can use, you know, that will improve the way we do things or remove, you know, the mundane tasks and the admin tasks that we get buried with, right? So that's really, I think that's really where I I started to have a, I, I guess, a greater interest in technology in general. And then I came across legal tech, perhaps, you know, two years ago and I started, you know, slowly getting into, okay, you know, what are the products out there and and what problems are they solving? Um, But I think what I love about technology um, or legal tech now, you know, after a couple of years of (laughs) realizations is that um, it's, I mean, it can really solve a problem that in-house lawyers or lawyers in general face. Um, So I think I'm maybe more passionate about the outcome that legal tech is offering as opposed to, you know, the, the, the tool itself. Um, I'm not a tech nerd. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but I love the fact that you know you, you, you're focused on you know solutions and helping and providing something valuable that's going to have a real lasting impact on you know the legal community. And I think that think that's great. And you know we, we've talked on this throughout your 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 episode. But you are known for fun ways of legal blogging and creating legal content on Instagram, TikTok. You've got your infamous eyebrow game, for example, <laughs> on some of your videos, which is brilliant. If people haven't checked it out. Please do go check it out on TikTok. But what inspired you? to begin doing this, you know, and tell our listeners about, you know, a bit more about some of that content and how you come up with your own ideas.
1: So I think my journey to content creation, I mean, initially I I shared career insights. Um, And I think that, and then I moved to legal design, TikTok videos, and I guess my content will keep on evolving, you know, as I embrace legal technology as well. Um, The common denominator was to help people. Um, I think I had a genuine desire to kind of, you know, help people in the legal industry, whether it was to find a job or whether it was to, you know, navigate their in-house legal life through the TikTok videos or whether it was through, you know, inspiring in-house lawyers or lawyers in general to come up with more innovative ways of conveying information in a creative manner. So I think I always wanted to kind of help people, inspire and drive the change forward as well. I think I, I it was also frustration. I was kind of frustrated with, you know, like the black box or so the cost center label. I couldn't, I didn't go to law school to be labeled as a cost center for an organization. You know, I, I mean, when you go to law school, you, you know, you want to solve problems. You want to help a business doing business, you know, and, but I think it's, um, it's important for in-house lawyers or, because that's my background or even lawyers in general to, to understand the, the power that they've got and to communicate uh, about the things that they can do uh, with this power. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's probably what got me started, you know, willingness to help, a bit of frustration as well and having my own voice in the industry um, and, yeah, drive the change forward.
0: That's it. That's it. All about driving the change, and you definitely are a pioneer for change. And you know, you are also a big user of LinkedIn, and your profile is particularly honest and open. Um, you know about your experiences and career history. You know, what was your decision behind doing that?
1: I think it's it it's the same decision. Um, on my even social media contents, generally speaking, I'm a big believer of being transparent. And authentic whether through your contents or you through your you know profile on LinkedIn and I just wanted to show to people that look you know I mean my career has never been you know an easy ride and I wasn't born with a lot of privileges I come from a working class background I'm now in the UK I'm not a native English speaker I and mean, it comes with its own challenges as well and um, and same for my career you know I didn't I mean the the market wasn't waiting for me when I graduated from law school. And I think all of those things are important because it's these experiences in life really make make you who you are as an individual. Um and I think I just want to normalize the conversation that it's okay to struggle, it's okay to have challenges and it these things, these setbacks shouldn't stop you from, you know, believing the process and and aspiring to have a very successful career um yeah so that's really the message behind it
0: love that love those words and before we we look to wrap up you know what advice would you give to people who are looking to get more educated on legal tech legal design you know what what, where would you point them in which directions and, and how can they get more informed
1: you probably know the answer, social media. <laughs> social media, I mean, follow the legal content creators. I mean, there are tons of them, you know, I mean, a ton. I think we will see more and more of them coming up as uh, as time passes by. But I think social media is a great mine of knowledge, not only to learn about legal tech, legal design, and but also, you know, follow the conversations and see what's going on in the industry, um network with people as well you know people are a great source of knowledge and um something else i would say is you know don't limit yourself to like legal related talks and topics um I've learned the power, I think I've understood the power of content through Gary Vee that you and I are both um, following on social media and he's in the digital marketing field. So I think we, we can learn a lot from people outside of our discipline as well. And I think it's important to keep an open mind um, when it comes to developing knowledge because we can learn from anywhere, from anywhere and anyone really.
0: So true. Always be open to to learning. Absolutely love that. Well, Sarah, you would have inspired a lot of people, a lot of our listeners with your episode today. And if people want to get in touch with you about anything we've discussed today, what's the best way for them to do that? Feel free to shout out any web links or social media handles. And we'll also share them with this episode for you as well.
1: Oh, Thank you so much, Rob. So people can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Sarah Weiss, on Instagram at very Problems and on Twitter at but How.
0: There we go. There <laughs> we have it. Well, thanks an absolute million, Sarah, for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Loved every minute of it. Wishing you lots of continued success with your entrepreneurial pursuits, your career and everything else on the horizons. But from all of us on the Legally Speaking Podcast, over and out this week's review comes from Anjali Menon. Five stars. Great podcast. Every episode's managed to be informative and engaging. Keep up the great work. Anjali, thank you so much from all of us on the Legally Speaking podcast for your super kind words and encouragement. Thanks a million.